0: It's time to eat. What are you hungry for? Sit down and get ready to consume an abundance of fantasy football knowledge from Ross Tucker and Joe Dolan. Feed me now! I'm starving! On the Fantasy Feast Eating
1: Podcast.
0: Yeah, let's eat, baby! It is the Fantasy Feast Eating Podcast, presented today by my homies over at BetQL. The NBA starts today. Thank goodness for betql.co or the betql app because I'm a Sixers fan. But I don't really know where I should be putting my money when it comes to the NBA. Paul Roberts and Steve Fezic were great on the Even Money podcast yesterday, giving me some tips. But I go with the five-star best bets at betql.co. They got all the data, all the algorithms, really helps. If you want to check it out and you want to get their information, Enter code Ross20 for 20% off your first payment. I'm Ross Tucker, former NFL offensive lineman. Most of you know that. Five teams, seven years, journeyman. Now I got a whole bunch of podcasts, including this one, the Fantasy Feast Podcast. This is the second week and final week, I may point out that Joe Dolan is off as he's moving to Greenville, South Carolina. I did see a tweet from Joe this morning where he used the word cattywampus. I think I've heard that word maybe once before in my life. I don't know what cattywampus means, but I'll probably ask today's guest in a little bit. I'm going to get to the July. You know what? I'll just do it now. You guys have been waiting long enough. We are going to have a season-long draft with me and Joe, and starting next week, you can go to FantasyPoints.com, use code FEAST, and that can be how you get on the season long. And even if you've already sent me something for one of the best ball leagues, you can send me another sponsor confirmation. You can get DraftKings and put the code ROSS in, whatever it is, and be in the season-long league against me and Joe Dolan. This week's best ball winners, though, the final four, these guys came strong. I think Izel Jenkins said this when I was an Eagles fan growing up. These guys came correct. Still never knew what that meant. We got to come correct. No idea what that means. But Ben Craft, Jay Bauer, Joe Silva, Jeff Dumont, they all came correct this week. They are the final four winners of the best ball draft against me and Joe, who will be back next week. So no Joe, but I got to be honest with you, extremely excited about today's guest He's a guy I've admired his work for a while. You can check him out on Twitter at Dave Richard. He's got the Fantasy Football Today podcast at FF Today and show. He's from CBS Sports, so on some level, we are teammates. Hopefully, I'll get a chance to do a bunch of college football games on CBS Sports Network this year. We shall see. Dave, welcome to the show. Thanks for coming. What's up Ross? Thank you for having me on here. Paddywopus
1: means and I googled this while you were talking. It means just to have things scattered out without
0: any particular pattern. So all over the place. That's what it is. Have you ever heard of that word before? I think I've heard it
1: before in my life, but it might be like like you said once or twice before. It's a great pull by Joe Dolan, no
0: doubt. It's an unbelievable pull by Joe Dolan, and I don't know where it comes from. I I do remember hearing it, like, literally once in my life, maybe when I was eight years old, and I didn't know what it meant then. But it's just an incredible word. Cattywampus, like, unbelievable. So, I'm a a word nerd from time to time, Joe. Uh, Dave, looking at your background, for people that are watching on YouTube, YouTube.com slash Ross Tucker NFL. Dave has a pretty sweet Miami Hurricanes helmet. And a Dallas Cowboys helmet. Talk to me, Dave. Uh, I guess before we dive into anything, I, I want the listeners to know who I'm talking to. Give me your background and 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 how you a got an awesome gig in the fantasy football industry because I know a lot of our listeners would love to have that as well. And b, uh, you know how you became a a Hurricanes and Cowboys fan.
1: Well, I'm not a Cowboys fan at all. Uh, the Cowboys helmet over here, it's Typical standard late 90s style helmet signed by Peyton Manning, Charles Woodson, Ryan Leaf, and Curtis Enos. You know, Cowboys greats. It's actually a gift from Gil Brandt, who I know that you know, Ross. Um, I used to work with Gil at NFL.com for about five years. and This is one of the, the, the things that he gave me, and it's, it's more a reminder of Gil than it is anything about the Dallas Cowboys. I'm not a Cowboys fan, but I did go to the university of Miami class of 1998. I saw zero national championships from the football team. while I was there, but I did see one probation. This is a helmet signed by the O2 team that, uh, that should have won a national championship, but didn't do it. I'm not.
0: Dave, you are essentially like, I've talked to other people about this people. You're like the donut hole. You know, they were winning championships before they got there, before you got there. They were winning championships after you were gone. But when you were there, that was like the down years. Uh, They were in the grave. I mean, there there was thought that
1: they should cancel the football program, and and no one wanted to play for the University of Miami because they were on probation. uh, It sucked. It was really tough, but I still went to the games. And really it's where I fell in love with football uh, was in college because I grew up in Chicago. It was a big basketball. Uh, geek when I was growing up because Michael Jordan was playing and the Bulls were winning championships. You can probably see the the rings up here, Ross. There's there's Bulls rings and there's Miami Hurricanes rings and there's a White Sox World Series ring up there. So all kinds of replicas. Um, But when I went to Miami, it's, I mean, South Florida is a hotbed for football at any level. And I really fell um, headfirst into it. Fell in love with football. Um, didn't get a job in football right away. I, I got a gig with CBS sports back in 2000 covering pro wrestling. That was my first love before any sport. Um, and then about a year and a half after that, uh, CBS acquired the right to produce NFL.com. They moved me over there. That's when I started working with Gil and, uh, fantasy was starting to become a thing. And I kind of was known as the fantasy nerd around the office in the Back in the early 2000s, no one played fantasy. You were a nerd if you played fantasy. Now you're a nerd if you don't. And so when, when the NFL wanted to start dabbling in fantasy, they came to CBS and said, hey, don't you have that fantasy nerd over there that plays? Can you start writing stuff for us? And of course I did it. And so in 2003, I started writing about fantasy football. CBS said a couple of years later, why are you doing this for them? We need to be doing this for us. So in 2005, I moved over to the CBS side. Literally have had the same job title since 2005, but fantasy has just grown like crazy. If you had told me in 2005 that I'd be doing a podcast with a former NFL player, I would have said, that's pretty amazing, what the hell is a podcast? Because you know, 2005, no podcast, they didn't exist. So it's grown quite a bit and uh, I'm really, it's, it's thrilling to see. But really, I'm just here to help people win their leagues. And and that's really what I get the biggest thrill over.
0: Yeah, you know, I I, I don't remember knowing that much. I played from 01 to 08. And it changed a lot even when I was playing. Like 01, 02, you didn't hear much about fantasy. Mm -hmm. And I can remember like in 04, Mark Campbell was our tight end in Buffalo. And his best friend from high school told him he had to drop him in their fantasy league because Mark wasn't producing. And that week, you can look it up, he had three touchdowns against the St. Louis Rams that very week. And we were like – I think he even called his buddy after the game and was like, how do you like me now? Yeah. So that was like, I think that was like the first time I really heard about fantasy. And then five, six, seven, eight, you started to hear about it more. And then I retired. And I would say like 2010, 11, it like – just started to explode in terms of popularity. Everybody was playing it and it's fun. It's like um, it, it's it's your way to be able to have a, a say in the game, to be part of the game. And, you know, not a lot of people can be 6'5", 320 like I was or, you know, run a 4340 like I didn't, but some guys can. But – a lot of people think that they can pick the players and have fun picking the players. I love it. We've been doing a lot of best ball drafts this offseason. I love it. I, mean, I really love trying to feel like I know more about who's going to have a good year than other people. And it's interesting because you sent me your list ahead of time, which I love. I ask every guest, Dave. I didn't even ask you. You sent this to me before I even asked you. I love to know... Who they're higher on than the consensus and who they're lower on than the consensus and why. We'll get to that a little bit later because it's not often. I mean, I guess when training camp starts, you'll have some news, but we have like legit news that impacts fantasy football that we need to talk about. A couple of guys in particular that have opted out of the season. And so, before we do that, I will mention, because I want to get into Damien Williams and Laurent Duvarney tardif of the Chiefs. Mm-hmm. Funches, Nate Solder, Cannon, a whole lot of D-tackles. It's weird. It's like D-tackles are opting out the most. A lot of that stuff I want to get into. But I do know, and I mentioned this earlier, that the NBA kicks off today. So people that like to place bets, I told you BetQL is a good place to find out what bet you should place. Well, then you should actually go to DraftKings, America's top-rated sportsbook app. Safe, secure, reliable. Here's what I like right now. They got this baseball promotion. So as long as you place a bet on any team, probably your favorite team, any team before the game of at least 25 bucks, they'll give you five bucks for every home run your team hits in that game. So maybe wait till they're playing a stiff at pitcher. I don't know. All I know is this. MLB's back. NHL's just about back. NBA's back today. Make sure you download the top rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use code ROSS when you sign up for a limited time. All new users can get a sign up bonus up to $1,000. That's right. DraftKings Sportsbook has a sign up bonus up to $1,000. It's real and it's spectacular, like Terry Hatcher in Seinfeld. Just enter code ROSS when you sign up only at DraftKings Sportsbook. I'm getting basically, Dave, all of my buddies in Pennsylvania to do this cleaning up, and they should. It's free money. Yeah. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or PA only. Bonus comprised of a first deposit bonus and a first bet match, each up to $500. Deposit bonus requires 25 times playthrough. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER on in Indiana one hundred nine with it. All right. So here's the thing, Dave. I think it was literally yesterday that Damian Williams opted out, which I'm surprised. I'm I'm surprised this many guys have opted out, period. But Damian Williams really surprised me. Um, everybody basically had a Clyde Edwards Hilaire party. Evidently Clyde Edwards Hilaire, I mean this always cracks me up when a guy hasn't played a snap of pro football and already like people are saying he should be the fifth pick in fantasy drafts and maybe that's true maybe, maybe, maybe that's correct and maybe that maybe maybe they're right but the excitement was such day that i guess my question is is he already overvalued are people already taking it too far
1: well you remember when kareem hunt was a rookie with Kansas City and Andy Reid, obviously the coach there. And people, I, I remember being high on Kareem Hunt compared to the consensus then because I thought that Spencer Ware was just the guy and it wouldn't be very long until Kareem Hunt would be the lead back in Kansas City. And you know the track record of Andy Reid's offenses. They're usually prolific. And he likes to have, most of the time, one running back do the majority of the heavy lifting. It's typically a player who can play three downs. And I got some other... Um, insight into how Andy Reid thinks about the running backs from Brian Westbrook, who who I know and worked with on fantasy football today for, for a year way back in the day. I mean, just anytime I've got an Andy Reid question, I just go to him. And I knew that there was upside then for Kareem Hunt. And I think that upside is there now for Clyde Edwards E'Laire, you just look at the other running backs that are on the roster loss. And I don't know if there's one that's even going to take uh, 45% of the snaps away from Edwards and Lair. Coming out of LSU, he was feisty. He's got sweet feet. Uh, he's already NFL ready as far as his hands go. I think he could probably stand to learn a couple more routes. And I know he's not a burner, but he could still get volume. And that's what everybody's banking on with Edwards and Lair. at least those people who want to draft him. They're expecting him to get minimum 15 touches per game, and there could be weeks and it could be right off the bat where he's getting 20 touches per game. So I think Edward Zolaire has a chance to get, at, at minimum, 1,500 total yards, and we can talk about over 10 touchdowns. And I, I've been touting Miles Sanders all offseason long and the numbers that I've given within 1,500 total yards and 10 touchdowns. I think Edward Zolaire has potential to be better than that. So I'm going to draft Edward Zolaire before Miles Sanders, and it especially helps now because there's nobody else really in that backfield that's going to take a lot of work away. It would take something surprising and camp for, for DeAndre Washington, who I do like, to come in and be a 50-50 back with edwards Um, Maybe Washington ends up doing some passing work and pass protection work because I'm not sure Edwards-Elair can do that right now, week one of the NFL season, without any live reps um, beyond practicing against teammates. So we'll see about that. The other running backs that they have, I think they're just – you know, Darwin Thompson's a speedster. I don't know if he can do much else than that. And Daryl Williams coming back from, from the Hampshire injury. So you you just look at the landscape of the running backs in Kansas City, and you look at Andrew Reed's track record, and you see what Everett hilarious is capable of doing, and you fall in love. And someone's going to take him in round one of every draft loss. If you're risk adverse and you're worried about him meeting those expectations, then, yeah, you're going to go in a different direction. The choice will probably be between – Edwards-Hilaire or Michael Thomas. And Michael Thomas, you can just pencil it in, 100 catches, 1,400 yards, eight touchdowns, nice and safe. But it's not a running back, and it doesn't, it's not someone that's got the upside that Edwards-Hilaire has. And so I would just recommend that people really think twice about passing up on an Andy Reid running back. The track record's been great, and Edwards-Hilaire, I think, is ready for the challenge of at least running between the tackles, following the blocks, doing the zone scheme things that he did at LSU plus catching the ball out of the back. Row. I think that's stuff he's ready for right
0: now. Okay, so like in best ball drafts or any type of draft, talk to me about DeAndre Washington and what you, – you, you mentioned him. Like what do we need to know now about the other running backs in KC, whether we're taking flyers on them, handcuff, whatever it is, mm-hmm. it, where's the value there? He's an insurance policy in
1: case I'm dead wrong on edwards e you know, if Edwards Hilaire ends up not being that good, someone else is going to have to step up and shoulder the load in Kansas City. And it was kind of curious when they signed DeAndre Washington this offseason because why did they meet him when they had Damian Williams already on the roster and then when they got Edwards Hilaire? But now it's working out for them. And it really didn't take me long to realize, and I had the aha moment why Washington was there. He spent a couple of years at Texas Tech playing with Patrick Mahomes.
0: And the offenses aren't
1: exactly the same. Obviously, they're big-time differences between the two. But some of it can carry over, and obviously there's a chemistry level and a trust factor between Mahomes and Washington because they've been together, and that's something that they're not really going to be able to do in in an atypical training camp like the one that they're about to embark on. So I I think that helps give the Chiefs some experience at running back, and that's why I think he's going to be the next man up in case Edwards-O'Leary stinks, and also the guy that probably pitches in maybe a third of the snaps, and I'd have to go back and see how he did in pass protection. But if he was good at pass protection loss, then he's probably going to play some of those third and long plays to try and give Mahomes an extra second of time before the rush gets to him. I like getting him in the double-digit rounds. I think it's it's a sound investment to make if you take the risk on Edwards Alaire in round one.
0: What about Devin Funches? I mean, I don't know where he was going in drafts. I don't know if you were recommending him at any point in any draft. He's opted out. What is the impact of that? Uh, were, were you Did you have any hopes for Funches in Green Bay, number one? And number two, does that bump up some of the other guys that maybe get a few more targets that you had projected to go Funches' way?
1: You know, I had I, Michael Thomas one, Devontae Evans two, Devin Funchess three, Julio Jones four. You know, <laughs> just like everybody else. I uh, Funchess might have been a decent, very late pick in the ball draft. Because at the very least, he could have offered size to Aaron Rodgers in the red zone and maybe been a better version of what Jimmy Graham was last year. But I don't think anybody was using Funchess for fantasy, certainly not in seasonal leagues. And now that he's gone, opportunities there for Alan Lazar to really step up and be that number two guy. But if I'm thinking about Funchess as a big body in the red zone, and maybe that's what Green Bay was looking at with him, because they need somebody to take some pressure away from Devontae Adams. Well, Funches can't be that guy. Maybe Jace Sternberger can be that guy now. He's the second-year tight end from Texas A&M. I enjoyed watching him play in college, and he started to get some meaningful playing time in the playoffs last year, partially because the Packers really didn't have many guys to go with that receiver. But if he can make that jump from year one to year two that a lot of tight ends make, then he's an absolute steal as a late-round pick. I'm not sure how many people out there are jonesing to draft two tight ends in their fantasy league. It's kind of like having two quarterbacks, kind of what's the point, but maybe this year, especially if your commissioner adds roster spots because of the whole pandemic and people just need to have their butts covered in case their starter winds up being inactive on game day. Sternberger is worth the risk of one of those late picks because there isn't, I know everybody's kind of penciling in Lazard as that number two guy in Green Bay, but I think Sternberger does have potential. To be a red zone threat, maybe get six or seven touchdowns, that's usually a really good thing for a fantasy tight end. If you're a tight end in fantasy and you're not one of the elite guys, if you score a touchdown, you're probably going to be close to a top-12 guy. And I think Sternberger can do that a lot. I think the opportunity will be there for him. So ahead of guys like Marquez valdez and Reggie Bedleton, and not, not Lazar, but ahead of all the other guys that are on that depth chart for Green Bay, I think Sternberger makes sense as a big-time sleeper.
0: Yeah, I know a lot of people, including Greg Cosell, who comes on the Ross Tucker Football Podcast on Fridays, was very high on Sternberger coming out of A&M. So I'll be curious to see what he can do. Dave, last question here before we get to some of the guys you're higher on or lower than. Do you adjust your rankings at all based on Nate Solder opting out, or Marcus Cannon opting out. And it's okay, even though I was a former lineman, it's okay if you say that one lineman being out doesn't really make a difference to you. I, You won't hurt my feelings. I'm just curious. Or even Laurent DuVernay-Tardif, I just love saying his name, uh, in yeah. Kansas City. Do, does, do, does any of those matter to you? Whether it's for Saquon or the Giants receivers or the, the, the Patriots running backs or Cam Newton because of Cannon. Does that affect you at all when a starting tackle opts out? They for sure matter.
1: Um, but I don't know if it's enough to necessarily move the needle. I'll give you a, an example that doesn't have to do with anybody you name. Remember when Brandon Brooks got hurt and, uh, and got ruled out for the season way before training camp started for the Eagles? Um, and, I, you know, I've been bullish on Miles Sanders all offseason long. I had to think about it a little bit and go, well, if he's missing one of his best guards, I uh, what does that mean? Could that, could that impact the blocking form? Does he need that blocking to be a great running back? And I was nervous about having Miles Sanders where I had him until the Eagles went and got Jason Peters, and now they're playing on putting Peters in Brooks' spot, and uh, now I feel great about it. So when, when one lineman goes down, if it's not you know, an all-pro lineman or you know, someone that's got great grades at PFF or someone that obviously does a good job of, of moving people, I don't really think it makes that big of a difference for fantasy. It's when it's when the depth of the offensive line really starts to get tested, like in Kansas City. Duvernay Tardif getting or opting out rather, um, I, that was problematic. And then you know, Wisniewski was also gone, so both their starting guards from the Super Bowl, I believe, are not on the team now. But they signed Osamale, who's the former Raiders offensive lineman. That makes me feel better about their their offensive line. And we'll see what they get out of Andrew Wiley, and, and we'll see what they do with the rest of their linemen that they have. But when, when the depth gets tested for an offensive line, and believe me, most of these offensive lines already have their depth tested, that's a problem. And uh, yeah, I think what it means is if there's another significant opt-out or injury for the Patriots, for the Giants, teams that have lost an offensive lineman already, then yeah, I think you start to you think about making a change in fantasy. But one lineman, when it's not an all-pro lineman or a big-time lineman, I think you can kind of just let it go.
0: So, unfortunately, we won't have preseason DFS this year, which I know a lot of people really enjoy. And I love preseason football. I think as long as you appreciate it for what it is and you know what it is. I mean, the people that complain that it's not as good as the regular season – Yeah, no kidding. It's not supposed to be. It's a totally different animal. It's getting guys ready for the regular season, and it's seeing the young guys. I mean, it's an absolute, in my mind, Dave, differentiator and difference maker for fantasy football drafts, the preseason games, the people that pay attention and watch them versus people that don't. Because you see what young guys are good, you see what backups are getting more love. Like you see, you learn so much. So it's a bummer. Um, and I know we, we're a ways away from being able to play DFS. And I know that's a week to week thing and a matchup thing, mm-hmm. but I want to dive into two guys that you're higher on than most and two guys that you're lower on than most, presented by DraftKings. I'm gonna keep these guys in mind when we get to the point in the season where we're playing DFS, well, Dave was lower on this guy. Dave was higher on this guy. One of the guys that you're higher on than most is Zach Ertz, which I think is interesting. My sense is that the reason why people aren't as high on him is because that Dallas Goddard can really play. I mean, Dallas Goddard is good. I think that's maybe why Ertz isn't up there with – the Kittles and the Kelsey's and maybe even Mark Andrews. Is that what you're seeing? And tell me why you're higher on him than most others. I, I think
1: he's too big a part of the Eagles offense to ignore. And I, I think the reason why people don't want Ertz is because he's not flashy. He's volume-based. I mean, he averaged 9.4 targets per game last year. And the detractors will say that happened because Philadelphia didn't have anything in the wide receiver. That's why Dallas Cowder had a lot of targets last year. But, Matt, he's he's really a good football player. It's He's not a byproduct of the system. He didn't have just one flash year. He's been good for a while. And I think he's going to continue to lead the Eagles in terms of targets and catches and touchdowns in 2020. Um, look, they added Jalen Rager in the draft. I love Jalen Rager. I think he's going to be phenomenal. But I don't know if he can be um, a week one contributor and be the 130 target guy for Philadelphia. Deshaun Jackson, also a field stretcher like Rager, we'll see what he can contribute. I think Alshon Jeffrey, who is not 100%, might start the year on the PUP list, don't think he can contribute a lot. So Ertz is going to be Wentz's guy, and it's not going to be just in the red zone, it's going to be everywhere on the field. And a lot of people are putting Mark Andrews ahead of him. And in non-PPR, I get it, I've done the same thing. But in PPR, I still think Ertz has an edge in terms of the volume, helping him out. It's something that Andrews doesn't consistently have from week to week. So when, when I see Zach Ertz late round four, anywhere around five, uh, I'm going for it because it solves my tight end dilemma. I don't have to stream the position. I'm very comfortable starting Zach Ertz on a week-to-week basis, and I really don't think his volume is going to fall off, and therefore his production falls off. He's going to end up being one of the best tight ends in fantasy. The fact that I can draft him, Three rounds later than Kelsey or Kittle. Maybe he's not quite as good as Kelsey and Kittle for fantasy. It's value. It's a value play, and I'm happy to take it with somebody like this.
0: Dave, I'm with you. I do the Eagles preseason. I watch every snap they play. I do the pregame show. Zach Ertz is Carson Wentz's guy. Mm -hmm. Like, that is his binky, right? Like, you know, when you're five years old, my daughters, they have a binky. Like, Zach Ertz is his binky. And He's the best receiver on the team. I mean, we'll see what Deshaun Jackson gives him. I think Goddard is an absolute stud, but Ertz is still the best receiver on the team. I'm with you on him. Um, One other guy that you're higher on than most people that I wanted to ask you about is Ronald Jones because wide variance in what people think of the young Tampa Bay Bucs running back.
1: Yes. So... I, I have been through the valley and the peak with Ronald Jones this offseason. You know, I started in the valley. I thought, well, he had 1,000 total yards last year and six touchdowns, but he wasn't really very good. And the Bucks will add somebody. They've got to add somebody. Well, they didn't have anybody in free agency, and the draft comes and they take Keyshawn Vaughn. And I think Keyshawn Vaughn's an okay running back. I don't know if he can do one thing really well. I think he can do a lot of things solidly, but I don't really view him as... Um, a feature back, a three down back. Even he admitted that as much at the Senior Bowl when we were talking about it. So focusing back on Ronald Jones, you know, he had a lot of plays last year. I love watching the film, Ross. He had a lot of plays last year that were explosive. Big time runs, showed physicality, uh, showed explosiveness. There were plays that he had that were called back by penalties where he was displaying these things. And he had six touchdowns. All of them came inside of 10 yards, but outside of three yards, right between four and eight yards, which means he had to do something to get himself in the end zone. That offensive line didn't do enough to just pave, you know, open space one. Um, so he had to break a tackle or fight through a tackle or juke a defender. And so he was really starting to show signs of being a capable running back. And I decided to investigate a little further. I made friends with his trainer. His name is Luke Neal. He trains Jones. He trains Jamal Williams out in Arizona, and you know, whenever you talk to anybody who's an advocate for a player, they're gonna sing praises and talk rainbows and puppies and ice cream about how great the players to be. But Neil was able to actually back it up and he was very candid about where Wild Jones was. As a rookie, he was checked out, he wasn't sure of himself, didn't have the confidence, he didn't play. He went to Luke Neal after that, he put on 12 pounds of weight, he remained explosive, that's on film, you can see it, and uh, he got better as a receiver, but they didn't work on pass protection and everybody remembers the the play where he whiffed on a pass protection assignment. Uh, Winston got sacked. He fumbled the ball was against Jacksonville. And Ronald Jones was benched for that. And that stuck in people's minds. Oh, he's going to make mistakes. And he's going to get benched. Well, he has worked on that pass protection every day in the film room and on the field with his trainer, Luke Neal. And he put on seven more pounds. He's up to 225 pounds. And there's a lot of debate about whether or not it's good for a running back to add weight. Neil's philosophy is if the weight is added properly through good nutrition and working out along the way, then it's fine. And the evidence is in, again, what Ronald Jones did last year. His numbers were up, and his weight was up last year. And he added less weight this offseason than he did last offseason. Now, you take inventory of the running backs in Tampa Bay. We already talked about Vaughn. We know Daria Wally is a passing downs back. I don't think he can handle the rushing downs.
0: Who else is
1: there to take work away from Ronald Jones? So he's the most explosive. He's the most physical. He seems to be getting better. He could potentially be a good pass catcher. He caught 30 balls last year. And if he can improve his pass protection and keep Tom Brady up, he's going to be on the field a lot. And the last point I would make is that if you go back and look at Bruce Arians' track record with running backs, he likes the bigger backs. David Johnson was one of them. Rashard Rashard Mendenhall was one of them. He took him with him when he went to Arizona after Mendenhall was done in Pittsburgh. I, I think Jones is filling out the same way. And I think Arians is gonna take a look at him and say, you got the size, and if you can if you can handle the pass protection, we'll get you on the field a lot. And I always like having the running back that's playing in high-powered offenses. I think Brady's gonna be great in this offense in Tampa Bay. I think the offensive line is gonna be better than it was last year. I would expect Ronald Jones to have a, a 1,300 total yard, seven touchdown type of season. Be a phenomenal number two fantasy running back and Ross people are drafting him in round six. It's a steal. Wow. I, I, I might consider taking him as soon as round four, late round four. If there's a serious run on running backs, that's when I would take them. But everybody's gonna take running backs anyway. It's fantasy football, that's the big position. Keep Jones' name in mind when you're in that round four through six range and you're looking for any running back. If you wanna get a running back for depth, if you wanna get a running back to start, I think Jones is your guy and Vaughn's stock is falling, A, because it's not particularly good, and B, because Ronald Jones is, is, is clearly going to be the starter there. You can get him later if you want to have an insurance policy in case Ronald Jones makes too many mistakes. Really, it's the only way I see Jones losing this game, Ross, is if, if he fumbles too much or he really isn't better at pass protection, that's the only way he's going to lose playing time because he's just too explosive a running back for the Bucks to leave him on the bench at this point.
0: All right, so once DFS kicks off and we're all playing it on the DraftKings app, we're going to look to get guys like Zach Ertz and Ryan Jones every week. On the flip side, guys that you want us to stay away from, Dave, whether it's DraftKings DFS or season-long drafts coming up, two jumped out to me that you had. The first one is Aaron Jones, Packers running back. You're not as high on him as other people are. Why not? Well, something's up there,
1: Ross. I mean, why would the Packers go and draft A.J. Dillon with a second-round pick after Aaron Jones had the year that he had? Maybe they're doing it. Maybe, maybe they're doing it to plan a year in advance because Jones is a free agent after this year. Jamal Williams is a free agent after this year. And they just got to get some. But it's running back. It's, it's, it's the running back position. You can find a guy to replace someone else. Pretty easily. And, and certainly Dylan is just a different type of guy than Jones is. He's certain, he's more physical, he's Derrick Henry-ish. And we know that Matt Before was in Tennessee when Derrick Henry really started to break out. And maybe that's what he's looking for from his run game. I think Jones just has he's got no chance of matching his touchdown in person last year. They were out of control. And his, his yardage numbers, I'm not sure he can match that either. And if he's sharing the ball with Dylan and Jamal Williams. By the way, Williams apparently has been working in his receiving space this offseason. That's according to the trainer. Um, I-, I could see his, his touches going down. I could see his role declining a little bit. The touchdowns going away. And by the way, Aaron Rodgers is still a factor in that offense. And he had the second most pass attempts in the red zone last year. And he ended up with just 27 touchdowns. I don't know if that's necessarily something that's going to happen. again. So Aaron Jones, who's going in, Where is he going? I'm looking at the NFC average draft position in July. He's going as the 14th player off the board on average. That's early round two. I feel a lot more comfortable taking Aaron Jones in round three than I would be in round two, and certainly not as a top 15 pick.
0: Last one, I saved the best for last, Dave, because I disagree with you on this one. Yeah. So I'm really looking forward to getting your take here. I've been touting Odell Beckham Jr. Now listen, I am not a guy that's in love with all the the off-the-field stuff, okay? I'm not, never have been. But the guy played last year with a sports hernia, and I did that my senior year of college. That is a tough injury. I mean, Deshaun Jackson had surgery, played one game with it. I I mean, a lot of guys don't even play with it. He played the whole year with it. So for me, you've got a healthy Odell Beckham Jr. And I think he realizes, you know, the shines off of him a little bit. He's got something to prove. Then you have, you know, Baker Mayfield knows how important year three is for them. I think Stefanski is light years better than Freddie Kitchens. And it came out this week that Jarvis Landry, there's some question about whether or not he'll be ready for the opener. After this hip surgery, which to me is even more touches for Odell Beckham Jr., I am very high on Odell this year. You are not. Tell me where I'm wrong. Well,
1: let's start with this. What
0: round would you
1: love to take him in in your fantasy draft?
0: Ooh, that's a good question.
1: Um, Are you taking him in round two?
0: No, probably three. If you're saying where I'd love to take him, it'd be well, three. Sure, you'd love to take
1: him in round 10,
0: Ross. That's right, wise. right. But if he's available in round four, I'm
1: sure you would take him. I would also take him if he's in round four. But if he's in round three, he's yours. He's not mine. I'm not going to take him. I think there are other receivers that I like better. And you mentioned the injury. Ross, it's his third straight year where an injury is limited to season. So I'm a little concerned about his durability at this point. In each of the past three years, because of the injuries, he hasn't even had 1,100 yards. He hasn't even had seven touchdowns in any of those years. Last year, he averaged 8.3 targets per game. That was a career low by two targets per game for Odell Beckham. I'm worried that maybe he's not quite the same guy that he was in his first three years in New York. And when you think about Odell Beckham, you think of that one-handed catch, you think about all the, the amazing things that he can do. And we really haven't seen a whole lot of that from him, save for a play here and there last year in Cleveland, more plays like that when he was in New York. I agree with you on Stefanski being light years better than Freddie Pitchens. Uh, there are high school coaches that are better coaches than what the Cleveland Browns had last year. But I also think Kevin Stefanski is a conservative play. And there, I would be stunned if he takes one look at Nick Chubb and Freeman Hunt in his backfield. Especially with the offensive lines. You want to talk about offensive lines. Look at what the Browns did to tackle this offseason. If Stapansy takes a look at all that and goes, yeah, let's force feed the ball to Odell back It's not going to happen. They're going to run the ball a ton. They also added Austin Hooper. And I know people aren't really excited about Austin Hooper for fantasy. I'm kind of okay with him. But Baker Mayfield's had a third of his touchdown to go to the tight end position since he's been in the NFL. He leaned on Mark Andrews at Oklahoma He loves leaning on the tight end. So does fantasy. When you get to the red zone, you're gonna see Odell Beckham double cover, and you're gonna see Austin Hooper open. And Austin Hooper is gonna get a lot of touchdowns this year. Might not get a ton of yards, but you're looking for touchdowns from the tight end each week anyway, he can give you that. Odell had one catch in the red zone last year. Now that's just bad coaching, there's no doubt about it, but it also means that he was covered pretty tightly. Teams wanted to take him away. And it'll be easier for teams to take Odell away if Jarvis Landry isn't on the field, if there isn't that threat of a good runner Velcro or a Velcro Rams receiver that's going to come along and take work away from him. So I, I think Odell will be good. I think he's going to be more of a number two receiver this year. I don't think he's going to be worth that round three pick, certainly not a round two pick. Uh, I've got guys from Kenny Galladay to Cooper Cup to D.J. Moore to Tyler Lockett all ahead of Odell Beckham going.
0: You can tell he does this every day, and you can tell he does it for a living. What an awesome episode with Dave Richard. Check him out on Twitter, at Dave Richard. He's been doing this a long time. He loves it. He does it every day on the Fantasy Football Today podcast. I will be going on that podcast today as well. Really looking forward to it. Should be awesome. We're doing the old home and home, if you will. Uh, which is great, and I'm going to share some insight, try to rip apart Dave's rankings a little bit and give some give some O-line insight on his show later today. Dave, thanks so much for coming on. This was awesome. This is exactly what I thought it would be. Thank you. Career rally uh, for me, Ross. Thank you. Uh, that'll do it for today's Fantasy Feast podcast. Next week, we're doing two. Next week is August, which means Tears of Dolan. Wait till you hear the Tears of Dolan song. I'll be shocked if you don't cry tears of joy when you hear that. It's that funny. It's that amazing. I don't want to talk it up too much. And we'll start to get into a lot of fantasy football strategy for this year. It's almost time. Other than that, check out Even Money and Raw Tucker Football Podcast. From yesterday, we got Greg Cosell talking about the players that opted out tomorrow on the Raw Stucker Football Podcast. Other than that, I'm stuffed. We're done.